Welcome to Too Deep, Hokies Under the Influence. My name is Pete Berthod, and my co-host is Robbie Dowling. Robbie, we're a week into fall camp. I can't believe it. How you feeling, man? It's I, I sent out a tweet, and I will uh, in Instagram as well that uh, I got my football tickets in the mail. So it is for me personally officially football season because I have tickets to to games. So I'm excited. Awesome, man! Why don't you give us a cheers? Fire it up. Well, this will be no surprise to any of our listeners, uh, and I think at this point, uh, the news has spread across the entire country. Uh, Bud Foster is retiring after this 2019 season. So, um, so in an amazing way that during the course of our five years of this podcast, we've seen Beamer retire, and now we'll have seen Bud Foster retire as well. So... Uh, I, I don't want to uh, do a cheers to anything else other than uh, his you know amazing career at, at Virginia Tech, well known as one of probably the best defensive minds, uh, if not the best defensive mind as a, an assistant coach in the country uh, at this time. And we'll be, we'll be losing him. It's, it's, it's sad, but I think we all knew this, this was going to come at some point. So how about a big cheers to to Bud Foster? We'll talk more about him later in the podcast, but it's um it's it's sad, but it's you know for it's kind of bittersweet in some respects. Cheers to Bud, man. Yeah, we will go back to Bud a little bit later. Um, season tickets coming in the mail. That is exciting. I think Fan Appreciation Day is this Sunday, the eleventh. So we're really in the throes of fall camp now, and it's it's great. We're past the media days, which are always a little bit of a tease. That was actually the first uh, news note I had was that Fuente Keen and Floyd went down to the ACC media days. Not too much to take away from that. There were two things, just that the team chemistry, all three of them seem to indicate that it's going to be a lot better this year. Um, they could be blowing smoke, but I tend to believe it just – the way they were answering the questions and everything, it seems like the team is more together. Uh, and the other thing that I took away from it was that the media picked UVA to win the Coastal. <laughs> yeah. And so the the the, the Bryce uh, yeah, train is in full effect for anybody that uh, hasn't listened to uh, national media podcasts. But we'll uh, we'll get back to that, or just the national media in general, and and quite frankly, the local media then for that, because those are media members that are, are voting on that. Um, and I can't hate on it. He's a terrific quarterback, but I don't think that, uh, people are giving all the other teams as much respect as they are due. But you know, that's all I took away from ACC media days is that now we have uh Bolton, uh, uh, poor board material to put up there. Yeah. I, I, I'm hoping that the guys, what they're saying is true, that the team is ready to like launch into the season and the fact that they weren't picked to win the Coastal, which I didn't expect. I expected it to be Miami and then maybe UVA and then us or maybe us and then UVA, but I didn't expect uh, UVA to be picked. And I'm kind of glad that we were picked lower because now it just gives us more motivation, like you said, bulletin board material going forward. The coach's poll is out. More bulletin board material. We're not in that, but we also didn't expect to be in that. Uh, we were 32nd in votes. 
Uh, that was behind Miami, which came in 29th in the votes. Syracuse was ranked number 22, Notre Dame number 9, and Clemson was number 1 just ahead of Alabama. UVA was 37th uh, if you go into the votes. So a number of ACC teams there, but no teams from the Coastal ended up ranked. Yeah, it's the coaches poll is you know take it for what it it is it's probably more accurate now than it is throughout the season because they have a little bit more time um maybe a weekend or something like that to to put in but uh doesn't doesn't mean that much i liked your tweet in terms of rank you put out you know si steel athlon it was actually helpful for me snp and kind of put everybody and i think the average was right around 30 right and of right, everything right. that was was out there and I think that's that's about that's where I would want to be ranked. I guess is the best way. I think the team's better than that, but you never know how people are looking at polls and rankings. S and P is totally stats based, so that's kind of its own breed uh, in there. But I thought that's right right where the team should be, with the the caveat that with this schedule. I think that the team is actually going to perform better than maybe what the ranking is. And that's whether you're looking at the ranking of where do you think the team's going to end up at the end of the year versus what do you think is the better team? And those are not the same as you, as you know, and a lot of people talk about. Yeah. I, I, like I said, I didn't expect to be ranked, but I do think it's funny. The reactions of people like SI put us at 22 and that came out some point this week and people were reacting like, what the hell are they smoking? Or like, I can't believe we're ranked that high. Like, how is that possible? And then you see rankings where we're like at 40 and people are like, that's bullshit. So it's 30 is probably about right. Cause it just, we're not actually in the ranking of top 25. And so I think tech fans at this point after last year, like we're more comfortable there and be like, okay, we're kind of like out of the spotlight. Let's see what happens. I did think it was interesting that we were ahead of UVA in the receiving votes despite the fact that they had a better year in terms of wins and they killed South Carolina in the bowl game. So I thought that was a little interesting, but as you alluded to, I'm not, we don't even like really look at the coaches poll during the season. It's just that it's the only poll out right now in terms of uh, the votes, like the AP poll hasn't come out. So it's those guys, none of the coaches are actually doing this. Godfrey just did a long podcast on this this past week when uh, PAPN came back with some different guests Uh, And he was just like, none of these coaches do it. None of them do. It's handed down to someone, some underling who throws it together last minute. Now, like you said, maybe in the off season, they do it once. I don't know, (laughs) but, but probably if it's ever going to be accurate, it's accurate right now. But, um, and I think it's more a reflection of perception of those teams than anything else. And nobody started scouting anybody that hard beyond week one. And it, 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 it's tough to tell, but yeah, you know, Godfrey, I, I listened to the same podcast and he was trying to educate everybody. I think I've always known that the coaches poll is a crop of shit. I don't yeah, know if you we, ever we haven't talked. We never talk about the coaches poll. We talk about it once a year when it first comes out because it's always the first one out. So it just gives us something to talk about. But yeah, we might not talk about it again the rest of the season. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Next thing I got on the list, a couple of bad notes here. Uh, Tavian Feaster former five-star running back from Clemson, he decided to go to South Carolina instead of Tech. For a moment in time in June, it felt like we were going to get him. 
And then it slowly from that point, it just went down and down and down. And the odds seemed less and less likely. It is weird. He's going from Clemson to South Carolina, a rival. If we had a former five-star guy that decided to go to UVA for a senior year, I would be flummoxed and kind of pissed. Uh, but hey, man, he's a South Carolina kid, wants to stay in state, whatever. Uh, good luck with that schedule, Tavion. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm happy for him. It, it, every account uh, you know, about him uh, it has been that I've heard, I don't know if you've heard otherwise, has been positive, like a really nice guy. He got his degree. He graduated. You know, once again, Clemson, you know, you can hate him, whatever. They did it the right way. Dabo came out and said, you know, the guy did what he needed to do. He got his degree, which is what he was supposed to do coming to college. And it was... Yeah, it I, just, was I just do think it's odd because I would have thought for the kid, he would have grown a hatred for South Carolina just because he was playing at a rival, but I yeah. guess not. And my my good luck was uh, the sarcasm was because they literally have the hardest schedule yeah. in the country, as we talked about last podcast. So yep. seriously, he's going to need luck. Um, D lineman, Haushan Gaines, Xavier Burke, and Jimmy Taylor were all not on the roster when it came out a couple weeks ago. The only real surprise there, or one that's troubling, is that Haushan Gaines isn't there. Now I had heard some rumors that that might be the case. We all know his mother passed away last year. He had the ACL. And so the thought, I think, is that uh, he needed some time just to like get his life right, and so he's not on the roster. I don't think that'll change. Um, I don't know if he'll transfer somewhere else. I have no idea. All I know is he's not on the roster, and um, it's because of, you know, he's going through a lot. So yeah, it sucks because he was a great player. And I think Burke could have given us some solid backup snaps. Taylor never played, so that's whatever. But, um, but yeah, those guys aren't on the team. A little bit of a blow to the D-line depth. Yeah, and no disrespect to Taylor or Burke or, or whatsoever, but Gaines was obviously the huge blow there for us. And everybody kind of rises to the occasion. And I think a lot of the feedback from most of the fan base was, Dude, go do your thing. Like, get your get your mind right. You went through a lot, and you know that's that stuff's more important. I'm happy that he's taken some time, and the coaching staff was as forward looking in terms of hey, we got to just move on from this um, as they were. So that's that's the way it should be. Is you know you take care of your your family and yourself first. Back to some good stuff. Football recruiting for the 2020 class. We went over how. Small the class was last podcast and how potentially disappointing it is for some fans out there. But we got a few commits, some some nice defensive commits in this in this uh, grouping. These commitments happened at the Blacksburg Bash and just after, which is usually an event that we talked about where we will get a few commits. And Steven Sings, Daryl Bailey Jr., and Dorian Strong all committed to the Hokies. They're all three stars. Not all created equal, though. Steven Sings... Uh, he had eight power five offers, including Auburn, Maryland, UNC, Oregon, Syracuse, and an offer from UCF. Daryl Bailey had 17 power five offers, including Oklahoma, Florida, LSU, Mississippi state, and you know, Oregon, UVA. Like that was a great get Daryl Bailey. If you just want to look at the offers, if you're not going to LSU, if you have a committable offer there and you're coming to tech, like that's really big for tech. Dorian Strong, on the other hand, who was a three-star cornerback, um, lowest-rated recruit in the class. Doesn't mean he's not going to be good, but he only had one Power 5 offer, and that was from Tech. His only other offer listed on the 247 website was Delaware State. 
you know, my home state Hornets, <laughs> I think it is. So, um, shocking to say the least that, you know, you, he only had one other offer and it was from a very poor FCS school, but Hey, whatever. Um, they, they, We'll see if the evaluation on Dorian Strong is correct, but I am pumped to get some defensive ends in this class in Bailey and Sings, who seem like they have a lot of potential. Yeah, and uh, Bailey's not a small guy, and it, it, he, he it was said, I guess, multiple times in different places. The key play did a good article on him as well. That I mean, he, the guy is gigantic from like a wingspan standpoint. In the seven foot kind of wingspan got touted in a number of different places. He's like um, six six, right? Yeah, totally open to playing um really any position. Uh you could see him probably on either side of the ball, depending on what he ends up fitting into, which is exciting as well. Obviously, we would like to see him on the defensive side of the ball, given where uh where we're at right now and and what we're dealing with. Um but that's a huge pickup. Uh overall Things trending in a very positive direction after a you know a relatively uh, tough off season with transfers and and the portal and everything. It's good to see people getting back into the program. Um, it does lead into a little bit of the Bud Foster question marks that uh, we may all have that we'll get to, um, but nothing I'm too concerned about. And they committed at a time that I imagine. Hopefully by that point the news had spread around enough that uh, that you know people are committing on on top of knowing what's what's going on in the de- defensive coordinator standpoint. Hopefully, yeah. The class is up to ten commitments, and that's seventy fourth nationally up from I think it was like eighty ninth when we did our last podcast. It is still last in the ACC in terms of the overall score. I think it's twelfth if you were to go by average rating per recruit. Um, still a lot of work to do there. We will see what happens once the season gets started. I think we, we're hoping for the fast start for the team, like four and oh, five and oh, and that would really turn and spark the recruiting. We'll see if that happens. One quick note on basketball before we get to bud, we got a commitment from Joe Bemelsile. I'm telling you, these basketball names have been so hard for me. Like <laughs> the three last podcasts other than Jalen Cohn were so difficult. And this one, I think it's. Bamasile, I'm not sure. He's a 6'5 shooting guard from Richmond, four-star, number 62 nationally in the composite. A top 100 recruit for Mike Young, I mean, who continues to just blow me away on the recruiting trail. He made some great assistant hires, and they're proving it out. They, you know, This class in 2020 could potentially be really, really special for Virginia Tech basketball. We are in a top five, top seven for a bunch of other top 100 guys. Yeah, I don't. The, the the huge question mark I think everybody had was his recruiting ability, and um, from all accounts, you're closer to it than I am on the basketball front. But from all accounts, he brought in assistants and let them kind of lead the charge in recruiting, um, which is what you want to see some from somebody like that. And um, the assistants been out there just absolutely killing it. I mean, just you know, the recruiting has been off the charts in comparison to what the major concern was from, and I feel comfortable saying this from the vast majority, if not all of the Hokie fan base in terms of bringing him in is whether he could bring in recruits. And, you know, a a lot of that is a testament to what buzz did to the program. And I don't think that can be shied away. I mean, going to the sweet 16, it's a nice recruiting thing to say. It is. 
Absolutely. And he's gone out there and he's, you know, him, I should say him and his staff have done an excellent job of bringing in talent and hopefully they all, you know, stick with the program, but it's been fantastic so far. I'm so pumped about the future of this basketball team. And if we were able to pull in even one more of those top 100 guys for the 2020 class, like it would be a home run class. It already is really good getting the guys he's gotten, but I, I don't think we're done. We keep we every month. It seems like he gets a new guy that you know we're talking about and committing to the program. So I, I'm excited about that. One bad news on basketball: John Cabongo, he's out for the 2019-2020 season. I think he blew out his knee. Um, he was a freshman last year, didn't play much, but he's got a fun name. So everyone really loved when he came into the games <laughs> and I was hoping to see him progress cause he does have talent. Um, so that sucks. Uh, he'll be back I'm sure. And, and, uh, we'll see him again in 2020, 2021. All right, let's get to the big news that came out this week. And that's the Bud Foster retirement, or I should say planned retirement after 2019, as Robbie said at the beginning, 33rd season for Bud this year, and it will be his last. It's kind of amazing that he's been at Tech for 33 years. Uh, 1987, hired defensive coordinator in 1995, and he was kept on by Fuente in 2016. So what is that? 24 years as a DC, 25 years as a DC, and 33 years overall. Unbelievable. Yeah, it's um, it's it's pretty astonishing. And you know, he... he was the longest tenured assistant coach I think in the country. Now it still is technically um, for this for this last season. Um, probably in my mind, the last time people have talked about Brent Venables the same way that they talk about Bud Foster in terms of an allegiance to a program and whether they could stick around. But he hasn't been there that long. I mean, not even close, a fraction of of the time. Uh, it's probably going to be in my mind the last time that we see that happen after you know the move on from Snyder at Kansas State after you know we see you know Beamer move on after we see Bud Foster move on it's a different environment in college football these days and um it's it's crazy to think that it's Virginia Tech that it's happening to but it it's probably going to be the last time you see somebody stick around in one program for for that long, unless they they don't end up, you know, having an offer or something that they actually want to move to. I I think over time he probably did have offers. It was just nothing that was appealing to him. And you know, we all know that, or at least we all think we know that he's interviewed for jobs, and some of them he may not have have got. But it's um it's incredible to think that like you know that's that's a long period of time <laughs> for somebody to be in one place. And his defenses over that time have led all FBS in sacks and interceptions since he was promoted to defensive coordinator. They've also led the nation in a major statistical category nine times and were top five 44 times. I got those numbers from uh, Andy Bitter's latest article. And he had the top-ranked defense, as we all know, in 05 and 06 and won the Broyles Award in 2006 as the best assistant in college football. So he has been absolutely remarkable and unlike uh beamer or bobby bowden dare i say paterno uh he's not going out 
with a string of bad seasons. Yes, he, they had a bad defense with a very, very young team last year. But the year before, he was top 10 you know, in, in the S&P and defense. So he is still essentially at the top of his game. I think that will be proven out again this year. I think he'll have a very good defense. Um, so he could coach a lot longer. I, you know, And I'm, if we want to move it in this direction now, I am kind of bummed that he didn't sign an extension. I expected there to be an extension because that was the whole thing. His contract's up after this year. He wants to avoid the whole, like, will you be back? Will you, won't you be back? Whatever thing. So I appreciate that. And, you know, it's the same thing that Beamer did, you know, announce it early, give the school a chance to get ahead of the game, get a nice replacement. But I'll tell you from a roster perspective and how young this defense is still, 2020 could be so special on defense. If you just look at the the talent and the age, um, even 2021. And it that's, that's where I'm like, damn, if he just maybe two more years, could we just get two more years? Cause 2020, you know, like we've got so many young guys. Um, but you know, it's, this is what he needed. Last year was really rough for bud. He hurt his knee. He got super sick, um, divorced, remarried, like crazy year for bud foster and um i don't know if it killed his spirit i don't know if he just decided you know what life has more important things in football i don't know but he this is the time for him now so let's make the most of it yeah um i i agree i would love to have him stick around for a little bit longer and i think he has a a plan right he's not sticking around i think he signed you know a not an assistant contract, I shouldn't say that, but in like kind of an advisory contract with uh, you know Virginia Tech for four more years beyond when he leaves, which makes me feel really good that he's he's kind of doing exactly what Beamer did, and I think you know seeing the way that Beamer went out, the seeing the way that he was adored by the fan base after leaving the program and. I think it may have just dawned on him that it might be the right time that eventually, you know, sometimes when it's too late, you're, you're three years too late, right? Like everybody was like, yeah, it probably should have been three years ago. And, um, monetarily wise, I mean, I'm sure he's got enough money in Blacksburg if he actually wants to stay in Blacksburg to be well off for a long period of time. So he doesn't really need, need that much. Um, in, 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 in that area, it, it hurts. But for me, it's actually, I, I like the way that he did it. I like the way that it happened again. Like everybody was like, Oh no, nobody's ever gone out like the way Beamer did. Nobody's ever done that before. You know, but maybe Beamer's just a special guy. Maybe Virginia tech's just a special place. You know what I mean? that That's kind of where I come back to and gravitate to. That they to. both love it so much yeah. that they're trying to make sure it survives uh, as best as they can help it out. Like The reason the transition went so smooth is because of Frank Beamer <laughs> and, and because of Bud Foster and the fact that Bud stayed on to preserve continuity and Beamer, like you said, took that advisory role and is an ambassador for the program um, and now Bud's doing the same thing and Maybe it is. Maybe the common denominator is Virginia Tech, not just two great guys. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 that's why, as sad as it is for me, it's 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 kind of positive in in some respects. Like to know that there's that much care about the program and what happens. And let's be honest, no defensive coordinator is walking into Blacksburg 
without Bud's like approval. Like that's not happening. Like that, I I would be and blown perhaps away. not without his ideals. I, you know, I'm wondering when we do get a new defensive coordinator. What will it look like? Will it look similar? Will it be a defense that constantly brings pressure? Will it put its corners on an island? You know, like the the traits that we've seen Bud Foster put out there over the years, will we continue to see those traits? Will Wiles stay on? Will uh, Justin Hamilton stay on? Will Jack Tyler stay on, who's, you know, former linebacker and now been with the team, I think, for this is his third season with Tech, maybe fourth? Because keeping Hamilton and Tyler around and even Wiles, which, People kind of think Wiles is going to go out with Bud, but no one really knows. Um, that would preserve the continuity that we've been lucky to have. Maybe, maybe Fuente doesn't want that. I would assume that he does, yeah. um, but we'll we'll see. And people have been bantying about like the defensive coordinator options and the big names. I don't think are going to happen, like the Todd Granthams or the Torian Grays. Like, I there's just. I highly, highly doubt that. Um, but it's fun to talk about. And um, but maybe, maybe we save it for a little bit later in the year. <laughs> with out of respect for Bud, yeah, I think that's probably the better way to treat. I mean, it's fun to talk about, like everybody says, and kind of go through the names, you know. But I think when you have Hamilton on staff, Wiles may bow out, and he might decide that it's his final final year as well. And he might he would announce that at the end of the year. He's not gonna he's not gonna cut in front of Bud Foster and make it you know a twofer. So you know with with the people that we have on staff, I feel pretty good without having to go out and grab a a, a big name and with knowing the coaching decisions that have already been made. Let's be honest. We we just went through Buzz. We just went through Young. We just went through. Fuente, I've, I tweeted out earlier about what his record is at Virginia Tech. He's had one bad season. That's it. And that's really all that's really shown up on field. I feel pretty good still about Whit Batkoff making the right decision in what we need here. And then also working with Fuente to not make a decision that I think would upset the fan base. Yeah. Uh, when I was talking about Hamilton and Tyler, I, by no means was like thinking that they're going to put Jack Tyler at defensive coordinator. That's mm-hmm. not what I meant. I meant as as an assistant under whoever would be the DC. Yeah. But um, but anyway, let's take a beer break uh, before we move on to the storylines coming out of fall camp. Robbie, what are you drinking? So I'm drinking the High Point double IPA right now. Um, it's from Ardent down in Richmond. You've made your way down there a few times. I don't know if you ever made it to, uh, I, I have, I have been Ardent. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know that we've had Ardent. I didn't go through our list of a billion beers that we've had on here by now, but I don't know if we had an Ardent on here. So I, when I was at the beer store, I decided to pick it up and, um, it is, uh, good. It's, it's a straightforward kind of, double IPA, not much kind of off of center, um, has, uh, you know, a bold flavor. You're not going to be drinking it out in the sun, hopefully for too long. And I, I like it. I don't love it. And, um, it's not a, not a bad beer, not a good beer, but kind of a straightforward double IPA, almost exactly what you'd expect off the rack. Arden is one of those breweries that's like right in that Scott's Edition area in Richmond. I think Vale is right there, Three Notched. There's a couple others. Uh, it's a great little area in Richmond if you ever get down there. But 
I think my buddy Brian has had his engagement party at Arden. I think it's got like an outdoor situation, but I might be remembering that incorrectly, but it was fun if that's the place. I am drinking a Budweiser, and the reason is <laughs> I read uh, the Key Plays article this week, This Bud's For You, and since Bud Foster and the retirement, you know, I was like, you know what? I'm just, I had them in my fridge. I will say Budweiser is always in my fridge. Um, I, I, not sure exactly why. I do like it, but I think it's because like after a bunch of IPAs on any given day, or just if you just want one beer while you're watching TV or something, I find that Budweiser is a great lager with just enough flavor. Um, and you won't feel weighed down at all that it's a go-to drinking beer for me. Um, my buddy Greg Healy is a huge fan. Irish guy who just loves Budweiser, uh, and he kind of got me onto it, and now like I keep it in my fridge. And so drinking a Budweiser in honor of Bud Foster, I will not drink a Foster's as my second <laughs> uh, beer tonight, so don't get that out of your heads, but the Budweiser is quite enjoyable. 5% lager made in St. Louis, Missouri. I think most people are familiar with it. Uh, it's delicious. Um, I'm going to go out for all the people that listen to this podcast and say, no, no, you can't. No more, no more Budweiser. <laughs> you don't enjoy a Budweiser every now and again, Robbie. Yeah, not not so much. Um, no? So we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna allow that just because it's in honor of Bud. But that's that's okay. it. Okay, that's fair. All right, Robbie. I wanted to ask you what storylines are grabbing your attention coming out of fall camp in this first week. I, and I don't, I don't like to harp on like the the feaster and missing out on him too much. Uh, although I think he could have been a, a big added benefit to the Virginia Tech program. But uh, in terms of the running back position, I've gone through. I hope these guys develop, and you know we really have something there. To now, it's a major concern, uh, and uh, even more so because if we had. Not not necessarily two, but like one and a half, like you know, running backs that we really felt confident in with this offensive line. I'd be feeling extremely, extremely positive about this offense. But uh, the run game gives me a lot of pause right now. And um, you may have seen the clip, and it got posted. VT Football thankfully put it out there, um, so we could see something of this team. Um, of of King and what he was doing on the field, and he looks yeah, that was such a tease. <laughs> yeah, he, he he looks he looks fast. He also looks um, he looks like he's about my size, which is not a good thing. <laughs> that is very. He, he's bad. got skinny legs, right? Yeah, like that's I think was the takeaway from that video. Yeah, and listen, there's there's skinny leg guys that can 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 do well on the field, but um. Uh, I'm a little bit worried about the running back position. Actually, I'm a lot bit worried about the running back position just because and I'll couple this with a positive note, not just all negative, is that I feel like the pass game has so much upside that like I wish it was balanced and I don't know that it's going to be there. Do you think it's odd, and this is just an off the main topic, do you think it's odd that King is wearing number 35? <laughs> <laughs> like that, that's a little bit of a strange number for like a speedy running back. You'd expect like maybe 22, um, you know, like a 23, somewhere in the low twenties. Uh, 35 is like, I don't know, Alfred Morris or something like a bigger, <laughs> like power back. Yeah. Yeah. You usually don't put them up that high unless, uh, you got some size to you. Usually. 
Usually, I don't know what numbers are taken and everything. But <laughs> usually, the weight equivalates somewhat to right, uh, right, like you know, where it, you're going to be. And uh, uh, based on his leg size, I'd put him at like a three. Uh, number three would be a perfect number. And that's nothing to take away. What I meant to say was like the clip was amazing. I mean, he looks fast as heck. He looks exciting, but and we don't know. We don't know much. We're going off of speculation. We're going off of whatever insider information we can find. But um, that that is a position that I was hoping would come around somehow in the offseason, and I don't know that it did. Yeah, McLeese, Holston being the other options there, and the number one and number two options, I would guess. Um, you know, we kind of know what we're going to get. Holston, there's still some some, like, upside that we haven't seen and like we said last time he was healthy all year uh or all off season so maybe that means he's going to raise his game this year but we haven't necessarily heard that coming out of camp so uh i'm i liked wheatley a lot last year i know you did too Uh, we used him more in the speed option type role but he was effective and quick and seemed a little shifty and then i'm high on king but even after seeing that clip, I think he's not going to be taking the major carries in the first year. It's just not going to happen. He might get some. He he might not redshirt. I don't know. But uh, but yeah, I I'd I'd want to hear a little bit more about the running backs coming out of camp. That that's what I'd like to hear. Like oh, McLeese changed his body, or like Holston's on another level. I haven't heard any of that. So well, especially with people's out now i mean that that was our bruiser so like we don't have like you can run we could we could see something from malik bell or caleb stewart because those are kind of bigger backs or even taj gary the incoming freshman um malik bell was really good in the spring game so maybe he gives us a little something i don't know there's a lot they had a scrimmage today so i think in tonight's scrimmage maybe someone broke out maybe we saw something from somebody we'll have to We'll have to check on uh, on how that went, but um, but yeah, with how good the offensive line could be, we'd like to hear that someone is going to start running back. But uh, let's move on to that offensive line. So far, what I've what I've heard is that Nestor is living up to the hype, and there was a lot. He was the guy we flipped from Ohio State on signing day, and we were all pumped about it. And it was at the end of a string of a long line of good recruits in the offensive line, so you still didn't know as a freshman if he would contribute right away. It sounds like he's going to contribute right away. And it could be at that right guard spot, the the lone spot left that needs a starter. Um, and it's going to be a fierce competition, you know, because you've got TJ Jackson who, while a tackle and probably the backup at tackle on one of the sides, he could end up being that right guard. It could be Tyrell Smith. It could be uh, Harris, I think, is in the mix as well. And so – that's a fierce competition. And then you have the whole Hoffman thing hanging like a cloud over the offensive line. What are your thoughts at center and right guard? I, I think the Hoffman thing is uh, it, it, it's a statement in and of itself. I mean, he's he's out there. You know, he's getting reps, but the NCAA is doing their NCAA thing. They're, they're causing problems once again, especially with the transfer portal and it sounds like Virginia Tech didn't handle the situation very well um, is the best that I can find in terms of getting, you know, everything settled and, and what it is. I think the offensive line, 
I don't know. This is a weird thing to say, but I don't know that I've ever been as confident as I am right now in the Virginia Tech offensive line in terms of like, yeah, we're going to go out and we're going to have, you know, have a good offensive, uh, you know, offensive line. That's not, I know it does feel weird to say that. (laughs) Yeah. It's been so many years. It feels like, um, so I'm not sure. I, I, I love the fact that, we we thought Nestor was going to be good, and then he's panned out. I love the fact that it seems like there's consistency. Um, there's been commentary on a lot of message boards and stuff of, about how there's a nastier kind of uh, atmosphere amongst the offensive line, which is I think what we 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 kind of need um, right now. Some um, increased physicality. Yeah, uh, something I've heard. Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying like you know, you know, you don't have to do Georgia Tech and cut block, but you, you know, let's 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 get out there and let's let's get after it. So it's just a position that, for what on one re- reason or the other, I feel actually pretty confident about um, right now. Probably more than I ever have. Yeah, I, I do too, and people have said this and how important Hoffman is to this whole thing, and he has been everything the coaching staff expected when they went and got him from Coastal Carolina. He's been a leader. They said he's been great for the chemistry. He like He's just a good guy that people want to be around and stuff, and I think he could be the difference in like an extra win or two on this schedule because he's playing center. Like that, that's it's one of the few positions on the field that touches the ball every single play. There's only two. It's him and the quarterback. Well, so, and if you're not missing snaps, then uh, that's uh, a <laughs> that's a step in the right direction. Yeah. So that's essential. And Fuente says he's optimistic. He will be cleared. Let's hope he is. Uh, that means Hoyt doesn't have to play center. And I actually said Harris when I was talking about right guard earlier. I meant Hoyt, but I don't think that means that Harris isn't a candidate. <laughs> it seems like everyone's getting a shot at the right guard spot. Um, so, yeah, I think it'll be one of Tyrell Smith, Nestor, Jackson, or Hoyt. Um, and I don't really even want to handicap it because I don't know who's going to end up starting there. Let's move on to, I don't know, tight end uh, real quick. We talked about James Mitchell. We talked about Keen a lot. Keen, his before and after pictures, I think his dad posted them. He's just becoming more and more of a beast, and he's actually up to like a tight end weight now at 250, um, and he just looks cut up. Uh, Mitchell's going to be an athletic freak, and they're even saying a lot of good stuff about Nick Gallo, who is Eric Gallo's younger brother. Uh, Eric Gallo was our center before it uh, – before chung took it over last year so it's cool to see you know so many brothers have come through the program good to see another one and now the tight end room looked stacked as it ever has been so that's freaking awesome because fuente loves to use his h back slash tight end yeah i'm I'm most frustrated that i just haven't seen any film of mitchell i I don't know about you but like it that's um, i keep hearing this it's like becoming the sam rogers like if you never saw sam rogers you wouldn't understand it well i saw some clips from the spring game yeah but it's it's spring game it's like the pruder film yeah (laughs) (laughs) and it's 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 not great film so I'm just excited to see him on the field. And then Keen, I think we have a known quantity there. I think we know what we have. And um, if Mitchell is as good as everything that I've heard about him, we could have one of the best tight end groups in the ACC, you know, bar none. I mean, it, it could be it could be really exciting. I just 
I got to see him on field versus Boston College to to really get that comfort. But everything that I've heard, it sounds really good. What do you have on the wide receivers? Um, nothing, because I feel <laughs> I felt good about the offensive. That, like I said before, we started the podcast. The two positions that I feel great about are offensive line and wide receiver. I mean, it's I think. It is it it's funny to me because I listen to and I know you do as well, a lot of like nationwide podcasts and stuff like that. And they're like, Yeah, what position group is and the fact that Turner and Grimsley and all all these players are getting so shut out from, you know, national recognition for how good this wide receiving core could actually be is it's not, it's not just like, it's not bad. It's just like, you're not doing your job. Like you're not looking into the personnel that people have. You're not looking into what Turner did at the end of last year. You're not looking into, you know, what the athleticism of, it's just, it's, it's kind of frustrating, but you know what? It's the Virginia tech way. Let's just go under the radar. And when people go to line up against them um, and DBs have to go up against them, I did see some clips uh, from a few of our wide receivers from a couple of the practices. And I got, I, I would be, I would be scared. Like if I was going up against our wide receiver core right now, um, knowing that we finally have a quarterback that's coming back. Well, we won't go there, but we'll, we'll get there in a second, but yeah. that's coming back for a second year. Um, I think they can do some really serious damage. Yeah. I'm the stuff that I saw, uh, Tavion Robinson, we knew he was going to come in and play slot and he had a lot of hype. People loved him. Um, he's working at the slot and he's also working as a punt return. That's where Grimsley is the starter. He will probably be the starter when the season goes. And then, um, Ellis is the primary backup, but I think Robinson's going to play a lot. Uh, Turner, Hazleton, Patterson looking good on the outside. And then you got, uh, Elijah Bowick, who has been very impressive, he's a thick physical receiver, and he's actually our heaviest receiver as a true freshman. 6'1", 216, one pound heavier on the listing than Hazleton. So, yeah, the wide receiver in core, we have like the guys who are the starters that we know, but the backups are starting to emerge and it's starting to get real, real exciting. And add in the tight ends, I just can't wait. Who's going to be throwing them the ball, though? That's the question. And we were complaining last podcast that Fuente hasn't named Willis the starter and that uh, why wouldn't he do that? He was clearly the best in spring, best quarterback, threw for almost 3,000 yards last year. And I thought it was interesting. I was listening to a Kyle Bailey interview from Media Days, and Fuente was like, I I promised Braxton Burmeister a chance to be QB one. Like when he transferred here, I promised him a chance. And so like, I can't name the starting QB until I give him that chance. And you know, he wasn't there in the spring. So that wasn't going to happen until fall camp starts. I thought that was really interesting and something that you wouldn't necessarily do for someone you didn't think was super capable. Yeah, that is, um, that there's it cuts both ways in, in in the way that I look at it. It's you hear some coaches and they say, I'd like to name somebody as soon as possible. As soon as I know, then I, I, I want to name somebody. And then other people are like, I want the competition to go right to the end. So everybody's working at it. I don't know the answer to that, you know, and I, I I've given this a lot of thought and it's like what I think I got to just rely on the coaches making the right decision 
my beef is that it's been every year that Fuente has been here, he does the same thing. He never names the starter. He like so it just seems like the default always is yeah, I'll 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 name it at the very last minute, right? He's done it every single time, um, and I think it's strategic. You know, it's to keep the guys invested for as long as possible. Yeah. And no, I don't think Burmeister is going to be the starter. I just thought that was interesting, and that it might mean that Burmeister is the clear number two. That's what it could mean. I, I <clears throat> I'm fascinated to see how the scrimmages go, how the rest of fall camp goes. And if Burmeister gets cleared himself because uh, he is put in a waiver request to, you know, be eligible immediately, I don't think it's going to happen, but it could. And it would be interesting if he was suddenly the two behind Ryan Willis, but Ryan Willis will be the starter I, of that. I, I am like 99.9% sure. Yeah. I would be blown away if it's not Willis. That would, that, that would be crazy. But I, I, Burmeister seems like he's good. Uh, I respect the fact that, you know, Fuente's sticking to his word, which he did. I mean, he's he's dealt with transfers before, so he's, he's you know, I think that it ends up looking good on Fuente, but my only question is that there are a lot of coaches out there, and you'll hear them say it, is we want to name somebody. There's two kind of camps. There's We want to keep the competition going as long as possible. And just to keep everybody competing. And then there's the other camp that's like, we want consistency and we want a, a locker room that's huddled around the quarterback. And I I just don't, it, it frightens me a little bit if we just always go to, it's a competition every year, because I do think there's something to be said for having a quarterback that's in the locker room, that's unifying the entire offense from, you know, early on, you know, before and early before, you know, fall camp. Yeah. I, I think they'll name him next week. Uh, I'm not sure if it'll be at the beginning of the week or like Friday, but I think next week we'll hear that Ryan Willis has been named the starter. Um, Hennon hooker apparently looks improved as well. To me, that indicates that QP isn't advancing as quickly. Um, and that he probably would be fourth string. If Burmeister was cleared, yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm saying that for dramatic effect, but I don't think it's untrue. No, um, I think it's probably accurate. But I I'd also I, I I think it's accurate, but also not an indictment of him. It's just you because know, those guys are close. I think they're close. Yeah. Like I don't think like the gaps are really big, and I do think Quincy will be used next year more than any other quarterback if Ryan Willis stays healthy, because we'll have packages for him, goal line, short yardage, whatever trick plays. So. Yeah, fourth string is kind of irrelevant. And it, chances are Burmeister's not cleared and you're going to be using Hendon and Quincy maybe interchangeably if Willis were to go down. So we'll just have to see I always come back to but, the same thing, yeah. which is like, would you rather have a year and a half or two years or one year of like an exceptional quarterback or somebody that you put in too early and you burn them out and they don't like you lose the confidence and, you know, they're they're not as good. I think he's just that kind of quarterback that just needs a little bit more time to develop. And maybe he never gets there, but maybe he just needs more time. Some people take that time and then they end up becoming exceptional quarterbacks. And I think that, you know, that's not normal this day and age because people want people to play early and then be, 
you know, and nobody's a four-year starter because if you're that good, you're gone by year three, right? right? right. <laughs> so if, if you get somebody that good and you put them in as like, you know, a freshman, they're going to be gone in, in three years anyway. So I think it's a balance and I, I'm totally comfortable with his talents. He went to the Elite 11. You know, people raved about his intellectual capacity to understand football and understand like, you know, ability to kind of lead things in that respect. So I, I know I'm not one to throw in the towel now. I think he just needs more time to develop. Okay, cool. Listen, I have three more position groups. I guess they're all defense DT linebacker and DB. We've only done offense so far. So let's take one more beer break before we go to defense. We're going to give our, updated record predictions, and then we're going to close it out. We're going to try to keep this podcast somewhat short. Robbie, what are you drinking? So I'm drinking the Retreat from uh, Offshoot Beer Company. It's a hazy double IPA that uh, I got suggested at the beer store. So I'm looking up where it's from. So if you if you know. What's the na- what, say the name again? Offshoot Beer Company. Okay. Um, I'll figure out where it's from. And it looks like it's got jellyfish on the can. Yeah, so it's it's probably from uh, the mountains somewhere, Colorado, most likely. Um, that was a joke. But uh, it was, it's good. I mean, it's, it, again, this is an, another, this one's a hazy IPA. I would put it right down the middle. It's got good flavor. It's 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 not overpowering. It's a little bit more balanced than some of the other uh, hazy IPAs that are coming out. I actually like this beer. It's a little bit warm, and it still tastes pretty good. So, um, I would actually recommend this. I would put this at like a you know a four four point two five on like our rating system that we have. It's actually really good. And if I had it cold, it would probably be even better. <laughs> I am drinking the. Hanalei Island IPA from Kona Brewing. I'm actually going to Hawaii on my honeymoon, and recently we had some friends stand over our place, and they brought us this beer. I'd never had it before. I've had Kona before, but not this particular IPA. It's a passion fruit, orange, and guava flavored IPA. Um, you know I love a good, you know, fruity IPA. So this is right up my alley. I love the way Kona puts the island of Hawaii, like embossed on their bottles. It's a great bottle uh, and a delicious, delicious beer. The Hanalei Island IPA. I think I'm saying that right. All right. So I figured out where this beer is from, and I'm, we're going to get butchered for this one. Placentina, California. And I definitely pronounced that wrong. So we'll there's just... there's no way that can be right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm just teasing you because I just butchered the name of this IPA as well. So it's all good. Yeah. So... <laughs> You're, if you're from Placentina, California, listening to a Virginia Tech podcast, feel free to just tweet at me and you can yell at me. <laughs> All right, so let's go to defensive tackle. Uh, one thing we've heard consistently since he got on campus is that Mario Kendricks has been a stud. Uh, people were worried about his weight, but that hasn't been the case. He's been killing the workouts. I do not think he'll redshirt at this point. I think Pollard... Pollard is a guy that Wiles really likes. Um, he just says he's a dog, and I think he'll play. I don't know if Pollard will exceed the four-game limit. I think Kendricks will. Uh, Kendricks is 293 already. He'll be in the rotation, like the five DT rotation we'll have. 
Um, my guess for that five-man rotation would be Hewitt, Crawford, those will be your starters, Porsche, Cunningham, the Juco kid, and Kendricks. That would be the five-man rotation at DT, which hearing what we've heard, that that actually like isn't so bad. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> especially when that was the position that I think we were most concerned about, or at least the defensive line we were pretty concerned about in terms of consistency, but... Uh, Kendricks, I think, is kind of the saving grace in terms of what we have heard, right? Not in terms of performance on the field. Uh, it's the whole, the depth there. I mean, you would love to have more than five, right? I mean, especially when we don't know what we're playing with. But I don't know about Especially you. when one's a true freshman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm looking for... <laughs> positives out of uh, all yeah, yeah yeah but the um i think the the good thing is is like i i don't know if i feel i was extremely concerned and i mentioned it when we first did the previews on it i don't think i'm as concerned as i was i'm still extremely worried about it but i'm more worried about defensive end the defensive tackle at this point because it feels like we filled in the gaps and we filled it in with with talent that they're not necessarily big bodied as much as they, you know, it seems like that things have gone well in camp. And I don't know if you've heard the same thing. Yeah. If, if you were flagging concerns coming out of just the first week here, it would be running back and defensive end. That, that's what I would say. DT has not, has not been that for me. I did want to note that Jalen Griffin, a former linebacker has been moved to the defensive line. He's six one two sixty on the roster. So I'm not sure if he's a defensive end or a defensive tackle, but we did need guys at either one. So um, one thing I think that could happen, and this is going to link into our linebacker conversation, so we'll kind of move that direction, that if we're not getting any pass rush from our defensive ends, I'm wondering if we'll be sending a lot more backers, like linebacker rush type things, because the things we have been hearing about the linebackers particularly at backer, which is uh, Tisdale, Rivers, Dax, Amari Barno. Yeah, like every all of our linebackers pretty much. Um, they all play backer. So uh, that could be an option. And that's something that UVA kind of does. Like Snowden for UVA is like he's like a stand-up defensive end slash linebacker. And I'm wondering if Barno could be that for us this year because – they were unsure about how much of a project he was going to be when he got to tech. And it seems like he's going to be a contributor immediately. The Juco kid, Amari Barno. So, uh, we are deep at linebacker. We know that rivers looks slimmed down and good. Dax looks slimmed down and good. Um, uh, artists is backing up Ashby. Dax and Mike, is going to so kill somebody. And- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but we have a lot of backers right now. So I'm wondering, especially with a guy with Barno's size, like, will we send him, you know, if he's playing? Will we send Tisdale if he's playing? Like, Tisdale is 220, which, if you can believe it, I think that's what Daddy Nicholas was playing defensive end. So, like, uh, and he's quick. So, like, maybe you do mix in some guys there. I I don't know. But they're going to have to generate pass rush somehow. And I, I'm i nervous about defensive end. I, I, I'm, I was feeling better about it after spring, I, I'm a little bit nervous about it now. Um, we know the line, like the line was wasn't good last year. The corners weren't good last year, so we both we're, we're waiting to see which one will improve faster. And I'm starting to think it's going to be the secondary before the line. 
yeah, I'm not, I'm, I'm not out to, you know, say that I can do defensive scheme, but it's not that foreign for a Bud Foster defense to crowd up the linebackers and make, you know, and, 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 and make fill gaps or fill the outside with linebacking core to make sure that things are contained. So I, with how talented and how deep this uh, linebacking core is, I feel like it's going to go that way. Granted, he's going to figure out whatever scheme works works for him, and I'll be excited to see whatever he puts on the field. But that just it just makes sense. I mean, we have yeah. so much depth there. We have so much strength. There's power there. I mean, those guys are in the weight room every year. They've slimmed down to the weight that they need to be at um, to generate power. We have some size. It, it It feels like we can make up some of the lack of, defensive and depth um, using them to either gap fill or, or to, you know, shrug the outside and make sure things are contained. I, that, that just makes sense to me, but I guess we'll see when it comes out and, you know, Bud Foster does what he does. I want to transition to DB with our whip comments. And that is uh, Chamari Connor looking really good at whip. Uh, and he is more of a straight up linebacker at whip than a nickel corner. Um, whereas Ladler is more of your nickel rather than more of your linebacker. So you've kind of got the best of both worlds with those two guys. I, I expected Ladler to be the starter. Uh, it kind of depends on what package they want to put out there when the season starts, really, because if you want to go, if you want to go against passing downs, you know, you, you, you move Dax to Mike, you put Barno or Tisdale out at backer and you have Ladler or whip. If you want to do running downs, you have, you know, Dax at backer, Ashby at Mike, and you have, and, and they won't mix it up this much, and you would, but you would have Connor at whip. So you have a lot of flexibility and a lot of options like because of all the talent at this position. Um, it's exciting, and I, I can't wait to see it on the field. I love Jamari Connor last year. He didn't play a ton on the defense, but when he did play, like you noticed him. Um, I, I'm, I'm pumped about linebacker and whip position. Well, I think but, I, on top of that, Dax dropped weight to get faster so like he's i mean now like where do you play him i mean he uh, there's just so no, much- he he is a three down backer i'm yeah. just saying like if you wanted if you knew it was a straight up passing down if you knew yeah. it was a like third and ten you might pull dax off the field and put barno's long arm long arms out yeah there, you know no my point was the flexibility to your point which was like you there's so much flexibility in that in that core it's it's actually pretty it's pretty remarkable and i think it's it hasn't been noticed by a lot of people, which is fun for Virginia Tech fans where we're like, yeah, wait till you see these linebackers. I mean, and like Virginia Tech is most, we love having a fun defensive line, but when we have like good linebackers, that's in, and like when we have a good backfield and we'll get to the, the real backfield here in a second, that's when Virginia Tech can be most fun because we, we change up things a lot. When I think of dominating defense at Virginia Tech, I think of Hall and Adibi, and I think of Jimmy Williams coming up from the defensive back position, and like that's what this could end up looking like if they keep developing. Yep. Like this, this is that town is on par. Hmm. I mean, Hall was arguably the best linebacker we've ever had at Tech, so that's saying a lot. <laughs> but like Dax could, he could fill those shoes in such a way. Like he could eventually. Um, DB. Jeremy Webb is out there. 
They're bringing him along slowly, but he's running full speed. Looks good. That's a major bonus for the corners this year. Caleb Farley, that's someone who we know has a ton of upside. He's been improved in coverage from what I've heard. I'm more concerned about whether he can tackle and whether he can gap fit uh, because he was okay in coverage at times last year. He really was. He broke up a decent amount of passes. It's more of like the the more physical things. Can he can he do those? Um, and the other starting CB spot, I think it would be Waller at this point, but it could be Quillen. It could be Webb um, and Murray, who the Brian Murray, Juco kid, uh, went to high school in Delaware. Uh, Chapman and Thompson, they will provide nice depth at uh, at corner. Yeah, it, it was good to hear that Farley's coming along a lot because, I mean, his problem was physicality. That said, when people were saying good things about him, I think the pads were still off. So <laughs> that's that's not that's not great. Um he, I totally agree with you. He, his coverage was good, not great, but his physicality was non-existent. Like you, I mean, that's not that's not how we play DB at Virginia Tech. It's like, I mean, that's that's part of the whole thing. It's like if you go out and you're going to get bruised up, and um, I hope that that's one of the things that he's changed in his game. Um, Waller Quillen. Nadir um, was another name that came up. We'll end up seeing what happens, but I, I really hope that Farley turned the corner and ends up being a leader in the locker room. And I don't think you can actually do that without the physicality aspect of, of being a DB at Virginia Tech. And I mean, that's kind of what we've always, <laughs> you go back to any video that you've ever like watched of Virginia Tech DBs and it's like, Oh man, that's a hard hit. That's a good tackle. That's you know how do you chase him down in coverage? And um, he didn't really do any of those things. He covered well, but that was about it. And the last thing was special teams. Uh, I think Beck and Wheatley are at kick returner. Grimsley and Tavion Robinson are at punt returner. And that's about all that I know. So. Um, I, I like those options. They're all, you know, fast athletic kids. So like, we'll see. Uh, I, I don't know if I love the idea of a true freshman and Tavion Robinson returning punts. Uh, I would rather Grimsley do that, but, um, uh, cause I Grimsley, not the fastest guy, but he runs a good route and he's got good hands. So I feel like with our punt return issues last year, I'd rather have Grimsley doing that back and Wheatley bring the speed at kick return. I'm, I'm down for that. Punt returners right. got to be the scariest job in the entire world. Like, I mean, so you putting a freshman out there with a bunch of large men running at you is got to be. I would never wish that upon anybody. <laughs> no, no. Uh, I wanted to do our updated record predictions because last podcast I said ten and two, you said nine and three, and we 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 will do this up until our season preview, which I think will be our next podcast. But we're going to update them this time. Do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? I, I can go first. It's it's um, after hearing the news about Bud retiring and what's going to happen this season, knowing the depth that we have, knowing the weakness that we have at defensive end, a little bit more strength than I anticipated at defensive tackle. Um, and I know I'm solely focusing. I feel really good about the offense other than running back and 
that's obviously a key portion, but I'm going to stick with the nine and three. Like I, I think that if I was going to lay money down today, then I would say loss against Miami, loss against Notre Dame, laying money, and then one other dumb loss, a game that we probably shouldn't. Maybe it's Virginia. Maybe it, you know it's another team. So I, I'm not coming off that at all. And in anything, I would probably push. Like if I was going to stretch, I would go ten and two now versus nine and three. Surprisingly, um, or you mean versus eight and four? You're saying if you had to pick, if you had to go one win in either direction, yeah, yeah, you'd yeah, rather yeah. go. Okay, yeah, I'm coming down from ten and two to nine and three, and it's not because maybe I got a little too optimistic <laughs> reading all about our team, um, but it's not. It's not really an indictment on the team. It's more of just like more info, reading more about other teams, looking at our schedule, and then also thinking about how consistent you need to be to go 10-2, and two, regardless of schedule, with a team that's still developing. And so that's really what it is. So I'm going to say 9-3. and three. I would assume I'm going to stick with that in our next podcast as well, but you never know. Um, I do think getting Hoffman cleared is important. I don't know if, if he's not cleared, if I would lower it by a game. But I guess we'll find out. <laughs> I uh, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go nine and three. I just don't think we can be consistent enough week in and week out to go ten and two. But I feel really good about nine and three. I just you know I know I'm biased and we're both biased, right? I I don't know what the argument is for not a nine win season. Like what 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 like what team? And this is well. The this, argument is that so many of the games would be at least my argument would be that a bunch of the games are going to be a little bit of a coin flip, like Wake, Pitt, UNC. Well, maybe not UNC. See, last time I said I was more worried about UNC. I'm actually I think I'm more worried about Duke now. Um, and and I know Georgia Tech's not going to be good. I know, but like Jeff Collins knows how to coach defense and. The kids are still D1 athletes. So, like, that's not just going to be a gimme. Like, any of these games can go haywire. So, I think that's the reason you could say seven wins is because we escaped against UNC last year. We escaped against UVA. Like, we could have been a four win team. We really could have been. Yeah. So, you got to win your close games in order to get to that nine and three. That would be the argument. No, that, that, that's all fair. Fuente has never had a returning quarterback at Virginia Tech, period. He's never had it. And that's true. So I I just I Well, just he technically don't... had it for a game and a half last year. <laughs> yeah. Almost <laughs> two almost, and a half games or something. Almost uh and so I I just I mean, maybe I'm just a homer. I just don't I don't agree. Like I I literally if we ended up the season with less than nine wins then I guess I'll have to do something on the podcast embarrassing because I, 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 I really, I don't, I don't see it. Like I, I think do you, I think when we're, I think when you see the BC game, I think it'll start off. I think the first quarter and the second quarter will be slow. And I think the third quarter and fourth quarter, you're going to be like a oh, holy shit. Like, you know, I think, you, I think you're right on on that actually i actually i very much agree with you hopefully we're not doing group think but i i do agree with that assessment but you're saying that you don't agree with zach attacks three and nine prediction 
<laughs> yes, that's exactly. <laughs> my, my our uh, our buddy on Twitter, Zach, uh, he he keeps saying the team's going to go three and nine this year. I can't tell if he's trolling or serious. Um, but I I used to know him back in the day in Arlington, and now I just know him on Twitter. He's a friend of a friend, but yeah, he's pretty staunchly committed to that three and nine prediction. <laughs> that's fine. I will. Uh... I think I have to sit on like a cactus or something. If it, like it's if, just if like, we went three and nine. <laughs> I mean that is like that, that. That doesn't even make any. It doesn't make any sense. Like like the team would actually have well, to regress. Well, ODU, Furman, and Rhode Island should be three right there. Yeah. So you'd have to completely shit the bed for the rest of the season, which could happen. But anyway, we don't think we don't think so. We think the opposite. We both think nine and three now. I think um, nine wins is totally. Like I don't, I, in, in the seven win scenario, I don't, I, I don't understand how that happens. Like I'm trying to think through who's the team that ends up coming up with the W's, and I look at the schedule. It doesn't, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. You know what I mean? Like I just don't, I don't see it. Well, next week, I should say maybe in two weeks when we do our season preview, we're gonna do something like the win confidence last year. Maybe not through the whole schedule, but we'll do like the five games we're most confident in a win, the five games we're least confident in a win. And we'll do that. We'll do we'll, we'll go through the positions again, updated camp info, do our final record predictions. Um, I always enjoy the season preview every year. And we're also uh, we're going to do a pick them uh, on uh, this year. So uh, we put it out on. That's right. You set up the pick them on CBS, right? Yeah. Basically, you're going to. Submit your picks, the same picks we do every week. We're going to have a ledger of games. I don't know if it'll be just ACC games or maybe the 10 games we choose. I'm not sure how it'll how it'll go exactly. But basically, you will pick the same games we pick, and we'll see if you can beat us, <laughs> which you probably will. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that'll be great. That'll be fun interaction with our fans this year. Uh, fans is – I'm using it loosely. I should say listeners. I usually say listeners. But, no, it'll be a lot of fun. I'm – Robbie, I appreciate you setting that up. Uh, were there any other things you wanted to say before we do our sign-off here? No, just the appreciation for Bud Foster, and let's get football going. I'm so excited. It's It's been yeah, so long. I know, and we got Florida-Miami on the 24th. Uh, I haven't talked to you about dates, but I think maybe the Monday or Tuesday of next week, which will be about the 20th, we'll do our season preview and maybe release it the next day, something like that. So look for it, maybe not next week during the work week, but the following one early in the week, you'll get a season preview. And then the following week, we will preview Boston College in a separate podcast. So you'll get a full season preview and then a game preview, which might be a little bit shorter. But nevertheless, look for both of those. You get to hear about A.J. Dillon for a little bit. (laughs) Yeah, that'll be the whole thing. It'll be about five seconds long. It'll just be A.J. Dillon, turn the mics off. Uh, But yeah, that's... I'm and, and I'm still going to Boston. The, that's still in the works. I'm going to the game. Should be interesting. I'll get to see that atmosphere again for myself. It's been it's been a while since I went up there. All right. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Uh, you can hit us on Twitter. It's at two dvt two dvt at gmail.com. I do appreciate the emails we got from Dave and Basil last time. I responded to them both just a few hours ago before this podcast. We don't check that email as much as we should, but we will check it and we will respond. So thanks for the emails. Thanks for the support. Thanks for listening. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and check out our website. It's 2deepvt.com 
and you can stream every podcast, check out our beer, check out our stats. Uh, And until next time, until you hear us previewing the season in full, go Hokies. Go Hokies.